Let's go Cardinal. Sing it with me, Lynn. Let's go Cardinal. Congratulations, Julie, on the big win for Stanford. Thank you. Thank you. That was, for those of you not watching, the Stanford women's soccer team beat, really, the almighty UNC Tar Heels, who have 22 national championships. Think about that. 22 national championships with Stanford winning. That became their third, <laughs> yes, third national championship, tying, you know who? Do you know, Lynn? Mm, I'm going to take a stab in the dark. The University of Notre Dame. There you go. Tying oh. Notre Dame for the second most behind the Tar Heels. Wow. Think about that. 22, and then the next in line, Stanford, Notre Dame, and then a bunch of twos. You called the semis in the championship game. Were you able to stay unbiased? Oh, yeah. I'm a professional. <laughs> I did have a couple moments where, like, <laughs> we hit the crossbar. Not we. I would never say we during the telecast. Stanford hit the crossbar. Or, you know, just wide. And I was like, Ugh! to myself. Internally, of course. <laughs> I am a capital J journalist, as we talk about. Um, it is kind of hard. Actually, it's not that hard because I, I kind of get locked into the game and mm -hmm. analyzing, and it's not that hard. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm sure people who listen would say, ah, she's so biased. I don't know. I don't think so. I asked my husband after. I was like, did I sound biased? Because mm -hmm. I think a couple of people on Twitter said I was biased. He's like, oh. no, I actually think you were praising North Carolina quite a bit. I was like, thank you. I didn't think that one bit. And I was listening intently. <laughs> Can you share the Izzy story? Oh, gosh, that's right. My daughter, the morning of the game, I said, Izzy, are you going to watch the final tonight? It's 5.30 p.m. ESPNU. And um, she goes, yeah, I'm watching it, Mom. She goes, hey, did you win any national titles at Stanford? I said, no, I didn't. She goes, none, Mom? In four years, you were an All-American, an Olympian, and a World Cup champion, and you didn't win any national titles? I said, none. She goes, Mom, we're better than that, Mom. We're better than that. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Oh, gosh. Completely serious. We're better than that, Mom. Oh, you're a bit of a letdown there, Julie. I know, I know. It's like when we're running and she goes, and you call yourself an Olympian. <laughs> and I'm struggling. It's amazing. Brutal, my kids. They're brutal. Oh, I was wondering... Did you have any maybe texting, trash-talking going on with some former teammates of yours, like maybe Mia Hamm, Christine Lilly? Oh, yes. We did have a whole thread. And I think my text today was, all hail the Mighty Cardinal <laughs> again. All right. This episode this week actually features, staying with the Pac-12, two Bruins from UCLA. It's with gymnastics greats. Valerie Condos Field. She goes by Miss Val and Caitlin Ohashi. To set the scene, this episode was taken from a live podcast we did at the ESPNW Summit. We were on the stage at the beautiful Pelican Hill Resort in front of an awesome Summit audience. One thing is that it is a little bit shorter than some of the episodes we've been putting out lately. And we include my introduction of the two of them from the live recording. But a little bit of background is Miss Val is a legendary coach from UCLA. 
And Caitlin Ohashi was, of course, a gymnast for the Bruins. So get comfortable listening. It's Miss Val and Caitlin. Kick back, relax, and unwind. Let's have a good time finding the joy in life. We're smiling so bright, talking and laughing combined. Feeling all right, get comfortable listening. It's laughter permitted. Let's bring our fantastic guest on stage. She has recently retired after 29 seasons as the women's head gymnastic coach at UCLA, where she won seven national titles, four-time national coach of the year, Pac-12 gymnastics coach of the year. Please put your hands together for Valerie Condos Field. Thank you, Rothies. Thank you, Rothies. If you didn't get the red pointers, you're missing out you're on missing life. Out. Yeah. You're missing out on life. All right. Alongside Miss Val will be this athlete. She was a four-year member of the USA Gymnastics team, a 10-time All-American from the Mighty <laughs> Bruins. I can't believe I'm saying that, honestly. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Tree. Where she won an NCAA title in 2018, she scored 11 perfect career tens. You might have seen the one in January because it's been viewed now by 100 million people. She's so much more than an athlete, as we know, a writer, a poet, an advocate. Please welcome Caitlin Ohashi! All right, let's go. Let's go. Oh, we got donuts, too. Lynn, look at you. Got to have the donuts, Jules. Always have the donuts. There's a big cinnamon roll in there with your name on it. Would you guys want a donut to start? I heard I had to eat one. No, you don't have to. We don't don't make anyone do anything. I know, but I'm kind of afraid of you, so. If I could get it. (laughs) Oh, Oh, Miss Fowl, don't be afraid of me. Do you have chips? I like chips. (laughs) I don't have chips. I'm trying to go gluten-free. Oh, are you? (laughs) Who wants to do that? Gosh, that's Caitlin. so hard. It's I'll just so leave hard. them there to bake in the All sun. Right. Then they'll be nice and warm for All you right. when you're ready. Okay, so let's play games. Let's <laughs> yes. <laughs> let's start from the very beginning. Okay. Let's start from the very, very beginning. Miss um, Val, you become one of the the most successful women's gymnastics collegiate coaches in history, and yet you were never a gymnast. Right. Please explain this to the crowd. Okay. Uh, so I was a ballet dancer. And in uh, 1982, I was dancing professionally. I've never done gymnastics, grown up, nothing. And I heard UCLA needed a dance coach for their gymnastics team. And so I called them up and told them my credentials. And they offered me a full scholarship to go to school at uh, UCLA. And I went there in 1982 to be their choreographer and their dance coach. And I was in heaven because I always wanted to do gymnastics, but my parents wouldn't let me quit dancing because um, I had, that's a whole other story. Um, so 1990, 1989, the great Dr. Judy Holland, who was the godmother of Title IX here for all of us, um, asked me to be the head coach. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, she's an amazing, she's done trailblazer talk about. Uh, she called me in her office and just said, uh, we're going to make a change with the head coach. We would like for you to be our new head coach. 
And I thought I laughed out loud. And <laughs> she said I was catatonic for a while. And then I said, you know, I don't know the first thing about gymnastics. And she said, I trust you'll figure it out. And that's all I got. So anyway, um, the meat of this story is that I didn't grow up like you guys, okay? Like, all you want to do is win. Kind of. No, not kind of. Like, you know, Sue Enquist, all she wants to do is win. <laughs> My cubicle was next to softball's cubicle. And all I heard was winning, winning, winning. And, uh, 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 kill, kill, spit, spit, you know. And I was like, whoa. I grew up on stage. I'm a dancer, okay? okay yeah, yeah. Um, so seriously, though, I had to figure out my why. Why was I going to do this job? And to me, it had to be about more than winning. Because winning was so, like, if, if it's only about winning, then it's only about bragging rights or money. And both of those are kind of like, um, even though winning is very fun. I get that. I've done it. It's really fun. Um, but then I thought, why am I going to do this job? And it was so clear to me. So obvious. I mean, everything I learned in the, in the world of ballet, which is really hard, was amazing. But there are a lot of missing elements in dance that sports has. And so it was so obvious to me. I got to develop champions in life through the sport of gymnastics. Mm. And because I worked at UCLA, which we could recruit the best athletes from around the world... I knew that if I did that job well enough, I really d developed the whole person, not just the athlete. Yeah. If I developed the whole person into this champion in life, this superhero, I knew it would translate to the competition floor. And I'm so thrilled that it did because that is really what I feel a big part of my legacy is. Yeah. Oh, it translates. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> and my work here is done. And just a cool aside, your moniker, Miss Val, comes from your dance background, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That very first day, they asked me to teach a ballet bar, and I did. And one of the smartass just said to me, are we supposed to call you coach, or are we supposed to call you Miss Val? I was like, uh -huh. great, call me Miss Val. That's where it came from, 37 years ago. And Miss Val, how did Caitlin Ohashi come into your life? Thank God Caitlin Ohashi <laughs> came into my life. I know. Kate was the greatest gymnast in the world. Was it 20... When was American Cup? 2013. 2013. She'd won the American Cup. She's the last gymnast to beat Simone Biles in the all-around. And everybody... No, she wasn't being recruited because um, everybody knew she was going to go on the Olympic Games and make millions of dollars. And then, sadly, she couldn't compete in the NCAA. We'll get into a whole other discussion later. Um, but then I got a call out of the blue from Caitlin Ohashi. It was like... <laughs> In my world, it was like Serena Williams just called me on the phone and said, I want to come to UCLA. <laughs> um, and I just asked her, you know, she says, I'm done doing elite and I, I don't want to train for the Olympic Games. And I said, well, I asked her one question. She was 15. Yeah. And I said, when was the last time you loved gymnastics? And she was silent for a bit. And she said, when I was 11, oh. before I went elite. And I figured out that was like a third of her life that she'd been miserable. And so she came to UCLA. <laughs> she, she became a little rebel. Is that the proper word? That's a great That's word. better than delinquent. <laughs> I used to say delinquent, and she didn't like that word. So. <laughs> she, she shot that one down. She shot that one down. Rebel is much better. But she was a rebel, not a little rebel, a rebel. <laughs> in fact, 
she told Annie Myers and Susie last night that Suenquist that um, she flat out looked me in the eye and said, "I just want you to know, everything you tell me to do, I'm going to do the exact opposite." <laughs> I was like, mm, this is going to be fun. Uh, that's the first thing now, she though. said to you when she came to UCLA? She said that after I tried to get her to stop partying and putting on, you know, she got out of shape, let's put it that way. <laughs> and she's this tall. So, you know. Um, but then, and this tall is how tall? This tall is like four foot. You're okay. almost 4'10". Maybe. No, <laughs> I thought you had, you had broken the five foot barrier. No. no okay. No, no, no. That's but, okay, but she told us halfway through her middle season, um, her freshman year of her middle, whatever, she said um, very unapologetically, and I have a lot of respect for you that you, you did say this. In front of her team, we were at a team meeting with our sports psychologist. She said, I just don't want to be great again. <sighs> what? And I wanted to go all Miss Val on her. And it's like, <laughs> what the heck am I paying you a full scholarship for? Um, I want to say, I don't care if you want to be great. You know, you're getting a full scholarship. Get in shape. Do your job. Thank God I didn't say any of that. Because then I thought, she doesn't hate gymnastics. She hates everything associated with being great that has stripped her and has broken her mind, body, and spirit. And I had to earn her trust. Mm. In order to, to fill her back up, I had to earn her trust that I cared more about her as a human being that is just an athlete that could help me win another championship. Yeah. And good for you for honoring that and recognizing that. Caitlin, let's jump back in time to, to put some perspective on that culture and the dislike of gymnastics. You've been very open about it. What was gymnastics like for you prior to UCLA? So I was on the national team by the time I was 12. And when I was nine, I decided to move away from home. So it was just me, my mom, and one of my brothers. Well, my dad and my two other brothers stayed back. So it was a lot of stress because now I felt like I had put this stress on my family of living separately but still being together. And there was no option of quitting. I felt like everyone around me was telling me what I should want and what I should do because here's the Olympics. It's in your path. It's not even a question so you're going to pursue it and continue pursuing it until I finally broke. So that's kind of where the unhappiness comes from, from, when the drive doesn't come from yourself. And I always believe that my physical burnout wasn't a result of a physical one. It's the result of a mental one. Because I had been so unhappy doing what everyone else wanted me to do and what everyone else expected me to, expected me to do. I was expected to compete the best skills perfectly, and I don't know, I guess look good while doing it. And even winning golds wasn't enough for them. So I remember in 2013, after winning the American Cup, on live television, my coach like strangling me and saying like, you could have done better. Mm. And so I remember coming home, like I couldn't move. My back was, my vertebrae was sticking out of my back. Um, I had a torn labrum and I had been working and working and every single time I had brought something up, like an injury, it was always like, oh, we don't care. We need you to compete here and here and continue winning gold for us. And by the time I got home, I remember coming home crying and my mom's like, aren't you happy you just won the biggest competition of your life, the highest international competition this year? And I was like, I can't move. Like, I don't like what I'm doing. I'm not enjoying it. And I feel like everything is coming at the price of my body. Yeah. That's sad. And we all now have 
become aware of that dark side of gymnastics in a culture that isn't healthy. And you have friends, obviously, Miss Val, you have many athletes who have gone through UCLA who have been dealing with that culture. How do you both handle that and address it? Because there seems to be, which is what Lynn and I are always drawn to, this incredible joy in what you do at UCLA. Thank you. And we'll get into the viral video, of course, as well. But how do you handle that dark side? Because there have been so many who have been scarred by it. It's really interesting in our sport. The athletes that come in that are the, the highest level are the ones that have no voice. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so, like, I've been at UCLA for 37 years, and the pattern is exactly the same. They come in as freshmen, I ask them a question, they look at me deer in the headlight, they don't answer, and then a year or so later, they'll say, I was afraid to answer you, I thought I was going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. So they've literally been stripped of their voice. And, you know, I mean, there's a whole philosophical thing behind this, and everybody wants to blame um, Marta, everybody thinks that I blame Marta Caroli, the Carolis, Bella and Marta. I really don't. I blame the United States Gymnastics Federation because they were Eastern Europeans that, and they coached the only way they knew to coach. But it was our gumming board that allowed them to coach that way. Mm-hmm. And it just shows, you know, with what happened with the Nasser scandal, uh, the sexual abuse victims, it were a perfect example of what happens in any organization business, politics, sports, any organization, when you put winning and money above human beings, you open up your organization to this corrosiveness that spreads like cancer. That's how you get over 400 young women sexually abused Mm -hmm. because you care more about winning than the person. Mm -hmm. Caitlin, you get to UCLA. How long before you bought in to what Miss Val was doing there. <laughs> Never. Yeah. Let's <laughs> <laughs> talk, okay? Laughter permitted. <laughs> um, well, so it, it took me my whole freshman year to really gain a little bit of trust in her and vice versa, her trust in me. A lot. She did not. <laughs> I always tell her, I'm like, you come up with these things in your head and you run wild with them and you make perception reality. But... Anyways, I think <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> I was just talking to her last night about like when I would say I at three a.m. I heard. Yep. <laughs> no, that's party way past her bedtime. Yeah. yeah, but I've never asked her until last night. When did she flip it? When when did she decide to stop like punishing her current teammates and me and everybody else and start enjoying her life? And it took me until this summer going into my sophomore year. And we always talk about focusing on the things that we can change. So I went home over the summer and decided that I wanted to take life more seriously and figure out what I wanted to do after college and get in shape. So I was going to the gym, coming home, picking my brother, and then going to like lift weights and do cardio. And I think coming into my sophomore year, she had noticed a huge difference in me. And along with that, like I met my um, now ex-boyfriend, but my boyfriend at the time, and he is a football player and he does a lot of other brilliant things, like designs clothes, and he kind of got me into thinking about life a lot more deeply, and then I was also introduced to TED Talks by the both of them, and I started watching that and kind of getting really inspired by it all. There's one thing that I noticed with Caitlin 
and the the NASA victims that are on our team, um, and that is that Caitlin, even though she was victimized, she was she's not an NASA victim, but even though she was victimized in other ways, and our the girls that are on the team were vic- they will admit that they were victimized. They choose to not to be victims, and Caitlin has never blamed anybody. Yeah. Her coaches, anybody that was around her, she's never blamed them for what she went through. And, and she's always said, you know, even though it wasn't right, I did learn from it. And I, you know, in hindsight now, I, I wish I would have had more of a voice. I should have said this. I should have done that. I should have, you know, but, and, and the same thing with the girls on the team. I have, I have a lot of girls. I know a lot of girls who are victims, uh, victims. The ones who are not traumatically scarred had great families, parents to go home to as they had safe spaces. They had unconditional love at home versus the ones that are still dealing with it in their 30s and really scarred. They're the ones that when they did go home still, the parents were like, did you work hard? Did you do this? Did you beat so-and-so? You're going to make that team. You got to make that Olympic team. You got to, they had no safe space. Mm-hmm. And winning was the only thing. Winning was the yeah. only thing. And it's really, there is an absolute mm-hmm. delineation between those athletes like Kyla and Sam Peshik and Koshin on, on Jordan Weber, all those girls yeah. that are living, thriving in life, even though they were Larry Nasser victims, thriving in life. Because they've always had a safe space at home. Yeah, and when you care more about winning, the adult in the room doesn't stand up, sadly, which is what we've seen in so many different sports. Miss Val, let's unpack this style of coaching because there is this joy to what you do. Were you always like that? Yeah. I said, I mean, Sue, even Sue's over you're there one of coaching her butt off. Um, she <laughs> Anguish, you want to get up here and insane. She thought I was no, I was not always like that. When I first asked to be the head coach and I knew absolutely nothing, I did what I thought was prudent. So I thought, who's like the biggest badass coach on the planet that actually that was winning? And I should have said Sharon Backus, but Sharon Backus was she talks like this. So I never understood anything she said. <laughs> I tried to emulate Bobby Knight. Thank God it switched when I happened upon Coach Wooden's definition of success. Success is peace of mind, which is a direct result of knowing you've done your best. Oh, say that again, Coach Wooden. Success is peace of mind, which is a direct result in knowing you've done your best. Mm-hmm. He didn't talk about winning. He'd won 10 championships in 12 years. And I was like, and I read it 100,000 times. I'm like, I got it. Success is simply peace of mind in knowing you've done your best. I realized by me trying to be Bobby Knight, or Sharon Backus, or anybody else, I wasn't being true to me. And so I just scrapped all of that, and I was like, what do I bring? I had 17 years of classical ballet training. I brought a lot. And I was going to figure the rest out. And I remember a few years later, one of my student-athletes said, a senior said, Miss Val, you finally became a leader worth following mm. because you're being authentic to who you are. And even when you make mistakes, it's okay because we know your intention, where your intentions are coming from. You were out of practice and you mentioned that. What was that story again, Lynn? Which one? When someone fell off the beam and they, yes. Well, the story, actually, this one was with Madison Koshin when she first got to UCLA and she was up on the beam. 
And she asked you, what should I do? Mm-hmm. And your response to her was, what do you think you should do? I mean, she'd, she'd been in gymnastics 15 years. I've coached her for three months. Well, this is insane. Why she's asking me? <laughs> do I look like a head coach to you? Seriously. <laughs> do you remember? I don't know the first thing about gymnastics. What do you think you should do? And the elites, these guys hate it because they've been told every step of the way what to do, how many to do, what you had to look. And they were told everything. So for them to have to, to, have, to formulate a, a thought about this, yeah. Miss Val, just tell me what to do. And as soon as they said that, I'm like, oh, I am not telling you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Caitlin, speaking of that peace of mind, <clears throat> Kate the Great, as Miss Val calls you, when that video of you went viral, I think we're at like 100 million views right now, that perfect 10 you did in January. One, I want a little background on how that dance was created. And two, are you surprised with how viral it went and why you think that is? So that's really three. That's a three-parter. I'm sorry. It's all good. That's a lot. um, It was actually a really big production that went into this because my routine, my junior year actually went viral with about 80 million views on Facebook and it got taken down because of copyright issues. So we came together and we were already kind of late in the process. Like most people get their floor teens by October and we're starting to plan like late October. So we get together like six people in a room and we're trying to come up with floor teen and she wants it to be joyful and the dance more intricate than last year. And how are we going to upgrade last year's? And I like challenge, challenging myself. Gymnastics is one of the few things that comes pretty natural. And so I like trying to advance every single like uh, tumbling pass. So anyways, we're coming together and then we finally figure out the music after ye- six of us yelling back and forth what we want. And then Ariana Berlin, one of our alums, she kicked everyone out. She's like, I'm putting this together. You guys, there's too much going on. So she gets it. And by the time everything's kind of figured out, we're going into winter break. So I'm home in Seattle. Miss Val's in California. I'm in my living, or she's in her kitchen. And I'm upstairs in my little loft, and she's like, okay, no, 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 right leg. We're going boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, uh, Wait, this no, is no, my no, phone. Listen. This is by FaceTime. <laughs> FaceTime. On her phone, and she's got it on her feet. I'm like, right foot, right foot. And she's going like, right foot, <laughs> And we're, like, singing the song back and forth. I remember getting into the gym, and I'd set up the camera, and I'd be singing. I'm like, all right, and then it's going to go, <laughs> and showing her, and I'm like, is that good? And then I'll, like, send it over and make sure everything was fine. But we're still perfecting it literally the day of the meet. Mm-hmm. Day of? Yeah, the first meet, we were still trying you to You know figure- why? We couldn't come up. Okay, so her junior year, she goes viral. Woo! Michael Jackson routine, it was amazing. And then uh, we didn't know what to do for her senior year, for her send-off. And I was like, I just know two things. It has to be more intricate dance, and it's got to be more joyful. How do you do that? I mean, you've already broken the internet. How are you going to do that? So it it took it took a lot, and but you know what? We we were not going to settle. That was the fun part. Yeah. So I guess how viral it became was definitely it had had nothing to do with the ten because her junior year she got a nine nine five, and it went more viral quicker. Mm. Someone just the other day was like, is the perfect 10 not common in gymnastics? <laughs> like, that's the thing. It kind of is. In college. So that's not why it went viral, in my opinion. But 
just how it went viral. I remember I was like ice skating, my phone's blowing up. What is all of this? And everyone's like, did you see this celebrity retweet it and tell you how amazing you were? I had to get off social media because I wasn't used to that many people coming at me all at once. So that was that was definitely crazy. And I got to fly out my parents a couple days later to New York for Good Morning America, which was, was insane. But it you was did GMA with Ro- Robin. Yes, I saw that. You didn't say why, though, you thought it went viral. Oh, uh, why? Joy. Yeah, joy. joy. I think she has a really good analogy that she likes to say. It makes you feel like a you're watching a little puppy on the screen. <laughs> yeah, we all love puppies, right? I mean, that's like a puppy. <laughs> You just want to go, oh, oh, Kate. No, it's like, you know, we see, it's, it's great when people win gold medals and they win meets and they get perfect tens. But if they're just up there doing their thing and, and aren't really celebrating that joy from within, it doesn't connect. You don't connect with it. The reason why that many people have connected with her Florentine is because of the pure joy that you see. It's not happy. It's not happy, skippy. It is p- joy yeah. that comes from it's deep It's deep within. in the soul. It is. But the other thing I will say, it's not just your personal joy. The first thing I noticed, we're all, I thought it was the crowd, but it's your teammates yeah. around the floor yeah. who are dancing with you and they're doing the routine and they are celebrating you which was something that was so important to our soccer team back in the day. It's like you celebrate others, right? right? We don't do enough of that. And that was a genuine joy in them that I was like, oh, look at how happy they are for her. And when you finish, they were like, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, through the whole season, uh, I mean, media just came after her. I think they were TV cameras in our gym every day for the whole season. And I was worried she was going to get sick get run down. Yeah. So there were times when I would say, Kate, because we train at 7.45 in the morning. And I was like, Kate, just show up at nine, okay? Just sleep in a little bit. Yeah. Every single time she said, no, I'm going to be there with my team. Oh. And that's what kept her team wanting to be on the sideline celebrating her, yeah. that she didn't separate herself. Yeah. All right. It's time for game time. We're going to win. Oh, that's It's every good. woman for herself. Oh, oh, yeah. oh no. You are not oh, a team. No. <laughs> I'm gonna roll my, my competitiveness <laughs> is coming out. I'm gonna roll my pants up because it's getting real. I need to roll my sleeves up. It's hot. Screw the Miss Val. Be nice. I'm not being nice, Fatty. Okay. There is one rule to this game. It's a trivia game. You have to squeak in with an answer. Since you are a guest, you get to choose which squeaker you would like. We've got the little elephant. We've got the boar. Elephant. I'm I'm a boar. All right. Oh God, I got the worst squeaker. I'm gonna start picking. You first. get blue dog or goose. Oh, I'm going with the <laughs> Why would the host pick first? Did you just hear her? I'm going to start picking first. <laughs> this, is, this is like the rubber chicken. That's pathetic. I'm going to win. Okay. What is the game, Lynn? This game is called Gone Viral in honor of Caitlin's viral success. These, all the answers are viral moments in both pop culture and sports, just yeah. to give you a fighting chance, Julie. Oh, first question. God. What dance is the backpack kid known for? Julie. Um, five. The floss. Four. Correct. Yes. Oh, God, yes. How'd you know that? Because I have a 10 and 12-year-old. Will you do the floss? Uh, I can't do the floss. Okay. We're out of time. <laughs> I'll do it at the end. I'm going to suck at this game, but that's okay. <laughs> so 
2014, this baseball player went viral for becoming the first girl to pitch a shutout at the Little League World Series. Monet Davis, Otto Zero! <laughs> God, I seriously have not ever won a game, so you guys are really bad at this. And I am not, le- not letting up. Would you stop? <laughs> I'm going go. home. If I win this, I win it all. No, you don't. <laughs> We're going to have a lightning questions. round. Only five oh. questions. In an installment of Carpool Karaoke that has more than 200 million views, this singer belted out a Spice Girls cover and hits, including Hello and Rolling in the Deep. At- Instagram. How often do you check and recheck as a delinquent what you're about to send before you hit send? <laughs> I would say quite a bit because everyone reads into everything so much. So yeah. I have to be so conscious. And even when I am aware of what I'm putting out there, like, and I've double checked it a thousand times, I still get so much hate for it. So I'm like, do you know that she got, she got um, body shamed When her, uh, when her routine went viral, there were still haters out there talking about how can this girl get a 10? Did you see how big her thighs were? Did you see blah, blah, blah? People are just mean. Well, you dropped the mic on them. Yeah. Exactly. Right? It, yeah, it's crazy because I'm like, I did this whole empowerment of women uh, photo shoot. And so, like, it was about my body shaming poem. So I'm not going to put them in, like, baggy sweats. So I had them in, like, tasteful, like, little brief underwear and bras. And they were smashing mirrors with hammers. And I got so much hate for showing the female's body and skin. And I was like, I don't understand when this is our natural state. Just like the ESPN shoot, body shoot, you get so much hate for being in your natural, like, beauty. Using your instrument to showcase something that you're proud of. Yeah. It's so sad. Uh, last most pressing question. Miss Val, at your last meet in Pauley Pavilion, yeah. the entire alumni group yep. did, and if you guys haven't seen this video, it is absolutely amazing. It gives me the chills when I think about it. They busted out an entire flash mob for her. Yep. With the opposing team. Yeah. And the How surprised were you? And the band. And it was like... Everyone. The mascot. I was, I was blown away. Yeah, it's on, it's on YouTube. It's, it took four months for the alum to put it together. It was all while drinking red oh, wine. Oh, it was great. The, the, yeah, how they put it together. They were all, they showed me, they put together this video of the making of the flash mob. And all around the world, these alumni are, are checking out the video and they've got wine in their hands. I'm like, <laughs> what did I create here? Last thing, high, low cheer. I do this around the dinner table with my kids. The high of their day, we're going to do your career. The low of their day and someone they cheer for that's helped them in life. Mm. So the high, low, and cheer of your careers. Caitlin, start it, sister. Okay, so the high 
was definitely 2018 NCAAs, just because I got to be with a team and in a team environment, thriving and. Wild boar. Um, And so, yeah, coming back at the last minute when we were not supposed to win that competition was really crazy. And that's like the fat lady did sing, finally finished, and we were on top. Um, Low, I would say, there's not like a really like low point in my career, but I would say when I was mentally low was like a exponential amount of time. So throughout my elite career, I feel like I was kind of in a low. And who I cheer for, I think this is really important because Simone has been a huge person in my life and I've known her since I was probably 10. And I remember going through my injury and kind of when I took myself out of the elite scene and she was constantly there supporting me, Mm -hmm. reaching out to me and making sure that I was okay when I wanted so badly to push her away. So I think that's something really important. She gets so much hate for having confidence and believing in herself when any man were to say what she says they would no one would bat an eye but because she's a woman saying that she's one of the best in her sport which is only a fact she gets all this hate and so i think it's really important she's also gone through a lot within the sport she's so close to being on the other side so i think i cheer so loud for her because she's so amazing that's awesome yep. i love to hear that and I'm going to go in reverse. I'm going to go to the people I cheer for, a lot of them, every single student athlete I've ever coached, but Caitlin Ohashi and Simone Biles because they are the two most visible out there right now on social media. And they are, anytime you have the courage to put yourself out there, you're going to be misunderstood. Yeah. And I know both of them very, very, very well. Um, and their hearts are pure, their intentions are pure, and they're small, but they are mighty with a very powerful, positive message. Um, my lows as a coach in my life just came whenever I was not being my, myself. I can handle all the mistakes I made when I was being true to me, but when I was trying to, to posture being somebody else or being different than I was, that's when I was just like, ew, you know, why would you try to do that? And my greatest high came at the end of our last year, not our national championship, but our last season. Um, <clears throat> there were a lot of people that came from around the, the world to see our last meet. And we finished third. And we were on the floor uh, uh, right after the meet. The team was crying. They were so upset. They wanted, you know, to win it for Miss Bell and Caitlin and the seniors and all that. And I just reminded them. I said, guys, my goal every year is to finish every season with no regrets. And I went around to every single one of them, looked in the eye, and said, thank you for letting me finish my career mm. with no regrets. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I received about five emails from people that were in the stand saying, my daughter who I brought was so upset when she realized the Bruins weren't going to win and she saw how upset your team was. But once we, we, I got through reminding them our only goal is to finish with no regrets, they started hearing the background music. They all started dancing together. And those moms said, when my daughter saw your team's tears, from tears of sadness to tears of joy... You gave us all permission to feel like winners even when we don't stand on first place. And I was like, that was the perfect way to end my career. Mm. I love it. On that note, roll the music up. Let's dance this bad boy off. Oh, yes. 
Yes, we sure did dance it off on the stage. And just to explain, we actually danced it off to Tina Turner's Proud Mary. Lynn and I started as backup dancers, Lynn. And then I felt like our confidence grew. And we, right? It did. And then we moved ourselves to the front line. And then I feel, you can watch this on social media. We're going to find this video. I feel like we were hanging with two legitimate dancers. We might have a future. This might be the most proud I've ever been of the (laughs) two of us. The fact that we somehow kept up with Miss Val and Caitlin in their choreography and their dancing. It's like we just rose to the occasion. Right? Oh, gosh, it's so good. So good. So fun. That that literally that flash mob when Miss Val retired and the entire Polly Pavilion breaks out in this flash mob. It is a fantastic video. You have to go see it um, if you haven't. All right. Takeaways. Lynn, I'm going to start. I would say that my takeaway from listening to two of them is the power of bringing life and sunshine and laughter into an environment. And as we've seen, sadly, so often and lately in gymnastics, and I know it's not just lately, but we hear a lot about it lately, is there's not a lot of joy in that sport. Um, They often call themselves gymnastics survivors, those who are retired. And so to see what Miss Val has done and to instill that love of the sport and not just in terms of results, but in terms of taking care of each other and creating a family and all those things that I value and cherish and love, you know, it's easy to see why they're they're both so successful. Absolutely. The focus on joy. How many sports programs do you hear where the emphasis is joy? Mm -hmm. No, not many. So I had the opportunity to see a UCLA gymnastics practice and meet because I did a video about Miss Val retiring. It was a video that went along with a written piece by ESPN's Darcy Main. And what I'll have to say is at both the practice and meet, everyone was having so much fun. Yeah. I even joked with Miss Val that if I were reincarnated, I would want to come back as a UCLA gymnast. <laughs> I know. In the formula, when you think about it, it's it's so simple. She's, you know, she said, I, I don't need to make every decision for them. Teach them how to think on their own. Mm-hmm. Teach them to think about just the success of the journey and doing their best, the wooden quote, right? The, the success of the journey is knowing you've done your best. And when you take, and this is a, a lesson that always comes back to us, when you take away outcomes and results and the pressure of winning, and you actually find joy in the process of it all, yeah. then winning happens. And you could say that about outside of sports with your work, I think. Absolutely. Everything in life. Mm -hmm. Once you start enjoying the process, then the results will come. So thank you to Miss Val and Caitlin for spending time with us. That was a treat. All right. Questions permitted, Lynn. What we got this week? Julie, this is a really good one. It does include a picture. And we'll, again, we'll post this on social media so you can be in on it. The question comes from at JM Dawson 90. She says, my mom sent me this picture of a sign for square donuts in Cincinnati. What's y'all's verdict on that? Square donuts. 
<laughs> you know what? If they're fried and gooey and doughy and yummy, I don't care if they're square. I don't care if they're oval, round, star-shaped. <laughs> as long as they're larger than my head, I really don't care. Larger than my heed. That's my prerequisite. Uh, yeah, I, I don't mind. I don't mind square. We had square donuts somewhere. Where do we have those? Oh, that was um the Sam Mewis Rose Lavelle podcast. Charlotte. Your mom's donuts in Charlotte. Your mama's donuts. I'm happy to report I was in walking through the stadium before the final of the Stanford UNC match, racing to get back to the booth, and these women stopped me with a box of donuts. And they're like, here, these are for you. We're huge fans. We're part of the dope village. And so I I mentioned them on the telecast, but it was Mo, Katie, and Lisa, I think, were the three women. And they, because the game went into double overtime, penalty kicks, they were my lifesavers, really. Thank you. I pounded donuts all game. The dope village coming through. Coming through strong. I do want to point out this picture. And I agree with you. It's all about taste over shape. If you look in the upper right-hand corner, there appears to be a picture of a cinnamon roll. Oh, and it says donut above it. Again, J.D. Flannel. I go back to the owner of a donut shop. Says it's a donut. Thank you, Dave. All right, that's it for us. Thank you to our dope village for listening. We want to hear from you, your takeaways, your questions, your deep thoughts on your hopes, dreams, and aspirations. So send us a note on social media and hashtag it laughter permitted. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe. It's important to subscribe because that counts. And then rate us and leave us a comment. And if you've already left a comment, well, leave another or tell a friend or 500 about the podcast to keep the dope village global dominance thriving. For those of you listening on Spotify or iHeartRadio, we see you and thank you as well. We are an equal platform podcast. Before we leave you, a big thanks, of course, to Kate Diaz for our theme music. She's a Julie Foudy Sports Leadership Academy alum. Oh, yes, she is. Check her out and her awesome music. And as always, remember, kids, sing it with us. Laughter Laughter permitted. permitted. Go card! Don't forget to check out That's What She Said with Sarah Spain. This week, Sarah chats with WWE superstar Becky Lynch about her journey from rebellious youth to flight attendant to women's championship belt holder. And she's very entertaining. Download and subscribe to That's What She Said wherever you get your podcasts.